0: episode of the Art vs. Commerce podcast, proudly presented by Masters in Motion. Uh, we just sat down with Solomon Lichthelm and um, just, an, uh, just a great chat from a guy who has um, been through uh, just a hell of a ride for the last 10 years or so. Um, we At one point, you know, we kind of come to this conversation and realization that he is definitely a product of the DSLR revolution that a lot of people my age, um, you know, Really, that's where our careers took off. That's when things changed. That's when there was a um, democratization of the ability to make something of a certain uh, aesthetic quality. And Sal um, absolutely did that. Um, and we were talking in the beginning that, you know, he was in the same way that so many people in that time were making kind of test videos. He wasn't making a test video per se, it was more, he was trying to say something. Um, and he talked about that at length and he talked about it well and I I think that that's just it's an interesting and perfect way that the conversation with him starts because everything is is, is a genesis of that and you know he has found a ton of success he um was uh working with variable for a while who is a production company that we that has come up um you know at, at times in this podcast and he was he was on the roster there uh before moving over to stink where he is now but honestly it's fascinating that The majority of his work that um, ends up being the most important, at least for his evolution, is the passion project stuff. And that makes sense, you know, I think in the commercial realm, um, even when it's going well, which it certainly is for him, um, everybody's going to keep hiring you um, for commercial stuff in terms of what you've already done, um, because that's kind of how the... Industry work. So, if you're ever going to branch out, it is in the passion work. And he speaks so well about that. Um, his decision making for that, wh- wh- how he follows um, his heart for that, and and how he, you know, I think, I think just manages over time to continuously stay awake. Um, listening to yourself, listening to what you actually want to be doing, uh, cause it is very easy, especially when it comes to success to stick to what's been working and that, um, if you do that for too long, then all of a sudden the real engine behind your success starts to like stop because it, the success wasn't from the commercial aspects. It was from the true, um, artistic, Things that you were doing on the side, and so he's just done a good job of continually doing that. And you know he's worked with an unbelievable, unbelievable list of DPs, and you know started with Khalid Motaseb to Matt Ballard, Steve Annis, and a lot more, all of whom are um, operating at a very high level. And the work that they've collaborated on and made together is just. Gorgeous. At one point, we do spend a little bit of time um, speaking about one of his projects, a uh, music video that he did for the Prince Estate called Mary. Uh, you can check that out on his uh, website. I'm sure a quick Google, you'll find it. Um, it's like three or four minutes. Totally give it a watch beforehand, and um, you can enjoy the conversation we have a little bit more. Uh, it's just beautiful work, you know. It's so it's always really um, elegant and thoughtful and emotional, and um, that's what you can just kind of uh, take as a guarantee if you ever sit down to watch something of, uh, of Solomon's. So uh, really, really appreciate the conversation with him, and uh, it's another good one. And so, like I said, we are sponsored by Masters in Motion, uh, which you can go to shooteditlearn.com to see more about the uh, three-day uh, film f- conference that they do in Austin, Texas every December that they'll be also be doing. You can, uh, buy tickets to it and you should come. Um, ASC cinematographers, ACE editors, uh, incredible production designers, uh, producers, everybody comes that they, they give, um, they speak, they give presentations, but it's not just that. It's also that they, for the most part, they'll, they'll hang out for the three days. They'll come out to the bar. You can, you know, buy the DP of game of Thrones a drink and pick his brain and really chat. And that's kind of where the magic, the magic is. And that's what makes it special. And, um, it's always it's always a good time. So uh, this week, Solomon Lichthelm on the Art vs Commerce podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, even what we were just talking about—that the idea of like you're being busy to get yourself actually busy—is probably the the ultimate actual work of directing when you're not on set.
1: Yeah, you can't wait. I mean, you can't you can't wait for people to um, to to give you something to become busy. It's like you have to, yeah, yeah, you have to self generate as much as you can, and almost appear busy, um, so that people think you are busy.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that whole that whole game. I think I've actually I feel like I've been in conversation a lot recently with people where that I find that that's really wearing on a lot of people, um, especially like social media stuff. I don't know, just making it the 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 art of making it seem as if you are doing stuff but it just seems yeah. so seems a little nuts you know but everybody yeah. kind of feels yeah. like it's a necessary evil uh it's up for debate if <laughs> it actually is <laughs> well that's yeah that's that's what's that's what's uh in question but i guess
1: yeah
0: yeah well i i know that i like when I, you know when thinking to sit down and and that we were going to chat and about like when i started to really know about your work goes like really far back to prior to you living in the states i think that right. you came across i started to be aware of your work when you were i think just making things on your own um right. and they were somewhat um like uh, religious interpretations i right. think right um
1: yeah. what yeah. what own poems i guess like almost like tone poems of um of uh spiritual uh, religious i guess you could say ideas um that that i that i felt connected with i think i had a i had a real maybe a re- the most real moment was honestly i think when my kids were born um and and i think the things that maybe felt like ethereal and neb- nebulous yet interesting to me all, all of a sudden got grounded mm-hmm. um and so i i got more interested in um I guess like humanistic ideas, but but they were very much kind of grounded with um, a a spiritual kind of underpinning, you know. Yeah. Um, how to make sense of of everything and how to how to um, I, I guess in the especially in the landscape that we're in, you know, the, the um, my kids were born in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen, and then obviously with everything that's happened. Was that before um,
0: you were I, in the states? Uh,
1: my son was born in Australia. Yeah. My daughter was born in the US. Um, but my son was born right about the time where ISIS um, kind of came of age, I guess. Um, and mm. um, and then my daughter was really kind of born during a time where Trump came of age. And, and so these very strong um, uh, things were happening, these very kind of uh, strong political things were happening that, that were really not just political anymore they were like really seeping down into the fabric of everything sure, like, sure. in the middle east i lived in the middle east and so um you know my, my mom and dad lived in bahrain and um bahrain had a a big coup that became very uh, it became a, a very um dangerous area um uh that became a kind of a very real thing for me. And, all these events started affecting the way that I thought about how I raised my kids and um, these mm. kind of, I guess, like nebulous philosophical ideas started, I started really kind of thinking about them and um, uh, w- with having kids. Um, yeah. So, it, yeah, it just became a very, um, it the, it started becoming less abstract for me. Yeah.
0: Um, well, it was, I was going to say that it was interesting prior to you coming to the U.S. and you were making those things and they were very... Um, technically proficient and this was at a time you know i don't know eight years ago or something to that effect where it was still all of that programs and stuff weren't as right. maybe easy or ubiquitous as they are today so the fact that you right. were achieving those things was really making waves and people were noticing you even though you were a guy like in the in the, i don't know if you were in where you were living at the time i think it was it either south yes. africa
1: well, I was in no. I was in. Uh, I was in Dubai initially. Yeah. Um, and that's where where I picked up a camera nine years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then really kind of, I mean, but, but the things that I was doing back then were really just like, I mean, it's, it's embarrassing to say, but they were like figuring out how to use Twixter and figuring out um, how to color grade and you know I, I still trying to say something like, like you know I was, I guess like it was there was a culture at the time where everyone was trying to make um tests you know test with their five, 70s and five yeah I was like, no i want to say something I, but i wanted to say something that mm. you know perhaps was ethereal and and, and yeah and, and uh something that i was kind of struggling with or uh, grappling with um in a spiritual kind of religious sense but that's what they were they were these like uh c- conceptual um t- I guess they were tests, but they had. Uh, uh, but sort of test, optical. yeah, but
0: test testing your own way of like testing out your your style and aesthetic. I mean, it's not exactly a technical test for the camera, but it was for you. Exactly,
1: exactly, exactly. And 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 then when I moved to Australia, um, actually worked. I worked at a church as an editor, um, and kind of on the sidelines, started directing. Um, uh, Passion projects on the side, and again, they, you know, they were they were similar. Uh, stuff started getting commissioned actually during that time. Like people were asking me to do things, and I was hustling. People like you know, what?
0: Like who? Like businesses?
1: Like, um, like a, a, this band called Kai Kai asked mm-hmm. me to do a music video for them. I'd mm-hmm. never done that thing before, so I did yeah. a music video for them. I, I did a, um, uh, I did. There were yeah two businesses. Um, they were asking me to do these. Again, similar kind of tone poem things. Yeah. And that really, that really was kind of an entry into, I wouldn't even say directing, because I was really just directing my wife or a friend or, but but just form and, 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 and how to understand camera and lighting. and Yeah. So sure I did that. And then... Because there was film. no, there was no um,
0: formal training. It doesn't sound... No,
1: no, 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 no formal training. Um... Uh, I learned it off the internet. You know, I bought books. I bought, you know, Stu Matiewicz's uh, Gorilla Guide. Well, I think
0: oh, that's what defines, uh, I think, our era. Like, right. a lot of people doing that. Obviously, still, people are coming out of film school, mm-hmm. and I, I talk to them all right. the time. But the, the, the even the idea of what you're achieving and how, where it started from feels mm-hmm. a bit of, can only happen at the at the start of that time with yeah. you know i mean it's an offshoot of the dslr revolution and then everything that kind of came off of that
1: yeah, yeah yeah i mean i would i would say i'm a, i would say i'm a product of the dslr revolution yeah um, uh, or, or, or what i've been able to do um and i think f- yeah after that i was i did a short film and and that short film kind of gave me a little legs uh, to come over Actually, it wasn't even the short film. We did, I moved. I moved to the U.S. and then we finished the short film. So I can't give the short film too much credit in that way. But which what, um, which short
0: film are you referring to?
1: Anomaly. Um, yeah,
0: I felt like that happened because I. I mean, unless I have a misunderstanding of it, um, that in conversation with what was formerly variable, that you are yeah. that that was it. A discussion with them at first prior to moving that made you feel comfortable about moving, what made you feel comfortable about making the move because that 's obviously uh, i mean you 're moving halfway around the world
1: yeah I, to be honest I, I felt very comfortable because i've done that I had done that not, uh, once or twice before that makes sense um, and and but not in an egotistical way, but my family like we 've always been nomads you know so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we moved to south africa we moved out of South Africa when I was twelve and moved out of dubai when I was um 23 24 was that just Um, chasing
0: like your parents work kind of thing
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah Um, they were they were you know i think my dad would uh call himself what's i guess what's what's called kind of a a tent maker um but that's that is a technical term that means absolutely nothing to anyone who doesn't understand it but it's basically (laughs) um it's basically using business um uh to create opportunities for church building uh so he's he's a he's a incognito missionary basically
0: <laughs> oh, um, well that explains all of the religious subtext in the beginning of your work
1: yeah yeah and um i think uh that in a weird way i would say that's probably a bit of my past that i think when i was younger i i, I wouldn't look at with any amount of fondness because i think there is a and, and it's perhaps quite true i think in, in america Especially in the West, um, there is a real kind of aversion to anything that um, that's religious, and I get that. I think I kind of draw the line between fundamentalism and dogmatism um, and mysticism. You know, like there's a different there's, a, there's there's a difference, and so I think the thing that I've been more interested in as I've grown older is kind of a a a, a, a mystical. Uh, expression of faith, which actually joins a lot of expressions of faith t- together. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's not as dogmatic or fundamentalistic, but it's a way of figuring out how to coexist and how to live in this world and how to create meaning out of our experiences. Yeah, um, and it, and that it doesn't seem as create... connected
0: necessarily to a book.
1: Exactly, exactly. So anyway, I, I think um, I now kind of can look back at that part of my past and actually have quite, quite a quite a appreciation for how it's formed me you know but an objective appreciation i think the thing that like moving to new york and and just having the experience here and growing up and kind of moving out of that I, again i've i've been able to see things objectively and i think um initially there was a okay i kind of want to hide that side of my past i think now it's like no i can see it for what it was and well i it's think really it's interesting
0: because like that that ends up being i think everybody has that Uh, The details are different, but everybody has that about their childhood, in one way or another. And then you get into like your your thirties, and you're like, you know, you can view the things that made you uncomfortable about your past in a different way because you're you're actually truly past it. Exactly. For you, it's this.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also, also, so there is something about becoming a parent, and I mean, you think when you're younger, you think you won't make the same. I won't say mistakes, but the same decisions your parents make. You think, you know, I'm not going to be as, like, strict with my kids and um, I'm going to do things differently. And then you in- invariably do the same things, you know. And, and and I think what that realization, to me at least, was it made me grow closer to my dad. You know, it made me respect my dad a lot more because mm. I started understanding how hard it was to raise a family and how hard it was to do it right and how hard it is to, um, to not have career be... The, the, the main focus you know because my dad was very career driven weirdly enough uh, even, even like he was very business savvy um, you know and and I, I remember often like um, taking holidays was such a big thing because we would only last minute know whether it was going to happen and my dad would be on edge um, because he, you know he's still thinking about work that he's like in work that he's had to leave behind and so he's always on calls and you know, and so we get kind of these. It felt like um, these leftovers of him, um, mm. but I love the same way.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's hard I mean, not to. You yeah, know?
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, when you when you first came over and you were with Variable, what what was it about um, Variable that you wanted to be a part of? And what do you think you were? Um, if you can go back to that time, what were you learning or? How is that growth happening specifically through through that um, that that place and those people?
1: I think the thing that really interested me uh, with the guys over there is so we had a relationship that was uh, especially with Khalid at the time. I mean, Khalid and I, and, and granted, at the at the time he wasn't with Variable, um, uh, but. I met Khalid while I was living in Dubai. So before I was living in Sydney, I mm. met John and Khalid um, in in Dubai, and they were stuck in Dubai. They were supposed to shoot something in Indonesia, but they got stuck on their way. Um, had to stay. I think the project fell through, or their visas visas fell through for Indonesia and India. Um, and so Khalid just hit me up, and he had just done that Lebanon video. Um, mm. uh, you know that I think kind of made waves across the internet on the 7D, back, on the 5D back in the day. And I was like, oh my God, this guy just reached out to me. Like, I, I, they want to meet, let's, let's meet up. Mm. Um, and so I met up with them and, and, you know, at the time I was like, man, I, we see eye to eye on a lot of kind of creative things. And John, John at the time was a little bit more, I think kind of true to John's nature, was like a little bit more shy. Khalid was definitely kind of the- Oh, that's um, definitely their dynamic. The, the the yeah, it was definitely more the vocal one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that started a relationship with the variable guys that um What things do you think
0: you were seeing mm.
1: While I was in Sydney, um the stuff that I was doing on the side, a lot of the stuff that I was doing on the side was with variable. So I would do the holy, I would do music for the holy thing that they released with the the, the, the powder festival, yeah, the holy yeah. festival. Um I would do music on the everlasting that they work on, I would do edit on um actually edited and did music and sound design or not music a uh, sound design on on that every thing i did the edit for that poland the reflection piece and, yeah um, you know so i got really involved with them during that time and i think there was just like a mutual vibe and and appreciation for doing things that felt that had a geographical nuance but also um a a kind of a human there was a human interest in some of those stories that we were that we were doing um that i think we we all just kind of vibed on it i think that was um the seeds for um you know uh, them inviting me to come over um you know at the time was for a year to kind of just test it out um and we were like yeah this is i mean i'd gone to i'd been to the u.s in 2010 and i was like and I went to LA first. Loved LA, but then went to New York. and I was like, "Oh my god, this place is blowing my mind. I yeah. would love to live here." But I was doing sound design at the time. I didn't know how that would ever happen. Um, so variable provided a that.
0: Song. Variable provided so, a real. Yeah. Variable provided a realistic way to like yeah. to, to land so, on your feet and actually be doing something and know that it was, you know, not safe, but it was a it was a practical, pragmatic way of actually doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there was and there was mutual um i think there was a mutual understanding um of each other that i don't think sometimes when you sign with a production company you haven't done anything with them yet you know and you sign and it's like we've been able to do four or five projects together before that yeah not i wasn't signed to them yeah so there was, a, there, was a, there was an understanding of at least we like we're speaking the same language um and then um, well, i was going to
0: say that and then well, cuz when you get there um it seems like you know you haven't had any of the, those experiences of being on a larger set and being on on in bigger productions and by then these variable projects start and that starts to happen. What is yeah. that learning curve like, especially for someone who didn't go to um, film school that you're like learning how to handle that stuff on set um, yeah because i'm also i'm also, I'm always curious when because in the beginning of your creative endeavors, you are. By nature, you have to somehow take you know, your ideas but put them through the filter of what you're actually able to accomplish. Right. And th- that right. is, in certain ways, maybe creatively self-limiting, but not in a bad way, in a practical way. But then you get to a point where you have more firepower and you have right. more people. Right. And it's like, how do you even learn that you can think bigger and, and, and execute bigger? Like, that seems like an interesting, difficult thing yeah. to, to acquire about your own ideas for something.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I'm still honestly, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still uh, grappling with that um, because I, uh, I think I had an experience doing the short film where, you know, I was working, I was working with shooting something with my wife. It would be me and my wife, and we'd shoot something, put it online, and it'd get eyes on it. Um, and I was like, oh, this is this is great. And then um, I did one or two projects that were. Again, I think I'm, I come from a more, more post background, so obviously with sound design, um, I I was editing, I was doing kind of a little bit of motion graphics before I bought a camera, and so I was always working in a, when I say post, it was like a bit of editing, a bit of sound design, music, my, my background is music,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I knew that world, but, but but the world of production, I didn't really know, like, you know, I'd do something with my wife, and it's just me and her, yeah. that's what I knew when I did. so it was kind of simple, but the idea of storyboarding and talking to all the heads of departments. And, you know, I, I remember I was rattled the first time I had to do a PPM. I'm like, sure. what? I'm <laughs> what? sure.
0: I mean, you're getting <laughs> oh. on these, like, group conference calls that might have 30
1: people yeah. on it, and they're all looking to you. Um, yeah. That's a huge jump. Yeah. So, so I think the thing that at least I would say prepared me a little bit was, was doing that, that short film that we did, you know. Um, Anomaly just process wise yeah normally just just process wise like okay i've got joe shaka who's production designer i've got khalid who's dp i've got um uh you know uh, all these people in these different departments that i have that you know between dan and i we have to communicate and make sure that um that there's a vision um and so that was really kind of a nice jump to go from okay i'm doing stuff with like three or four people uh on set to doing stuff with like Fifteen to twenty to twenty-five people uh, on on the bigger days uh, on set, and then, you know, I think the first thing I did was um, the first commercial I did was uh, um, was a, uh, an Audi commercial uh, that was one hundred and fifty people on set, um, but I think that the anomaly process kind of uh, prepared you, gave, gave me something, uh, gave me gave me some sort of um, yeah preparation. Well,
0: I think like the leap from two people to twenty is bigger than the leap from 20 to 150.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because yeah.
0: there are certain things that are quite similar about 20 to 150. There's more people, obviously. I'm not trying to take yeah. that away, but uh, the difference between, there's a level of, you know, there's so many people that you can't possibly be talking to everybody at once. Yeah. And that's yeah. the same if it's 20 or over 100. Yeah. But like, you yeah. know, when it's you and your and your wife and that's it, that's yeah. that's a totally different thing. But, the, but the, the funny
1: thing is there is a, like, I'm... Um, um, Conceiving a music video right now that like th- this is how I want to shoot it it's it's a couple um, it, it's a couple and, um, you follow this girl as she you know a car comes and parks, she climbs out of the car she uh, you know it's a one take she walks out towards the beach and we turn around and we see that her husband is just sitting in the car and we turn around back to her um, and she arrives at the beach and her husband comes and embraces her two three minute long film. Um, you realize at the end of the film that she's um, she's gone to bury her stillborn baby. Um, oh, God. And I want to shoot it. I want to shoot it. I want to shoot it um, just me, um, uh, steady cam, yeah. um, focus puller, yeah. and the two actors. And I want to do it that way um, and do it very small, do it very contained. Because there is something about the, the scale of things sometimes really getting in the way as well no Uh, totally
0: well i think it's you find that people who are like operating at that big thing it's a constant battle to get it back to the small thing yeah
1: yeah exactly and you know
0: there's a place in time where the big thing helps you achieve something you can't possibly do but it's it's a give and take but at least it's as long as you understand it uh, exactly and you know how to use it as the the right tool that's different than being like you know well
1: because because i think i think when you start out, you're always, so you don't have resources, but you have massive ideas, right? You're like, you're always, I mean, that's how I started. It was like spectacle, you know? mm. So Anomaly, perhaps, is kind of a chief example of really not a lot of resources, except the love, the patience, the sweat, the tears of a sea of people, but financially and, and also technical resources, there wasn't a lot. Yeah. But our idea was kind of to create a human story, but yes, spectacle, um, and I think what you learn as you kind of <laughs> go through the process um, is actually let's, let's, let's go down to the, the, the nucleus of an idea, the emotional um, uh, tenor or the the story essence of an idea, the narrative essence of an idea. Let's go back to that. And what's the, what's, what's required for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think initially it was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, try and do this big thing with this little bit that i get you know Mm. um and you learn that that's probably not the best way to go and then sometimes it's like okay i can now do this this bigger thing and i now have the resources to do that bigger thing but then you're like actually i just want to come back and tell like a human story (laughs) and tell it very simply and all that i need is three or four people to do that and i can do it and i know that It'll be powerful. Yeah. Um, well, there's also,
0: like, I think creative maturity um, in the sense of, like, part of the reason that you wanted to do spectacle, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is just a generalized, universal thing, is to prove to yourself that you could make something like that. Yeah. And, yeah, and like, to yeah. see in your portfolio something that looks like that, because you could be like, right. I could do that. And then yeah. it's almost like once you do it, you feel that you, there's less of a need to feel like you have to do it every time, because you feel like, well, I, say, I satiated that. Internal desire yeah. that, like, I could do that yeah. because something about that proved to you that you were a filmmaker a little bit.
1: Right, right. Well, I guess like just to like to throw a counter counter argument. Oh, go it, for think, it! Yeah, I, <laughs> I think I am like it's, it's like a term I don't feel comfortable with yet, actually, because and perhaps it is because I haven't like done a, a feature. Yet, what term? Currently. Filmmaker. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm more comfortable with director, you know, because I. When it, I've seen it so many times on call sheets, and I have to sign that in, you know, at immigration when I come into a new country. And so, but fellmaker is, is 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 something that I'm. Oof, it's it's still it's still a difficult one, and I think mm. I get more comfortable with that term the more intimate I, the more the more intimate I start to get with story, um, and the more I start to think. Like when I did anomaly the, the first thing that I did was um, I had an idea. From, a, from an image that I saw, I started sort of putting together a playlist um uh, because my interests were music, right um but now I haven't like I'm working on a, on a feature idea now I haven't touched the playlist I've literally just focused on the script um oh, yeah you've evolved mind. as a
0: as a as a creator yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and you know maybe I, one day I'll go back and I'll do a musical and it's all about the the playlist <laughs> um <laughs> but but I think my interests now are to uh, I'm, I'm really into like um, things that move me, you know, um, and, 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 and just the design of a cool scene or something that's spectacular, that, that those things don't move me anymore. Again, I think it's partly of having kids. Um, you know, I just watch when they see us, they ever doing anything on, um, mm-hmm. on, um, on Netflix. And mm-hmm. I was just, the, I was just a puddle of water really. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, that's i want to go back to i want to go back to that you know i can play with the spectacular in commercials because
0: that's what they're for
1: it's bread and butter and and you know they're i wouldn't say it's easy uh, to do that but right now that's the type of things that i see it's like just it's really actually hard to come by the things that (laughs) that are very meaningful um but i can do that and then in the, in, the, in the feature space, at least in the story or the longer form space right now. In fact, like I just want to get down to finding these things that I connect with emotionally. But again, you know, I don't know how, we'll see how good I'll be at that. Um, but yeah, that's at least where my interests are right
0: now. Yeah. No, is it I, I like, I love the tangents that we're going on. To get, to get to the, just follow the chronological a little bit, is that at a certain point, you made the switch over to Stink. And I'm just curious mm. about um, just on the, just on the practical side, it doesn't even have to like get into the granular details, but just what are the circumstances that you feel like for when you are looking around, you're like, I I think I should change like production company or I, I like that a change would be good for me. What are the, what was going through your head to, to do that? And how, how was landing at stink felt like the right thing for you?
1: I had, um, I had, I had, I think the reality of the time was that I had—I um, was kind of a young director um, operating in in one market, uh, which was the U.S. Um, and I had so many ideas for personal work that I wanted to do mm-hmm. um, that. I think um, because of the because of the size of our variable at the time, um, there wasn't a lot of scope—not necessarily for them to do it, but also for me to not do work um, that 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 would that kind of float the company um right and so it became it became kind of tricky organizing a schedule that allowed for um that allowed for a holiday or for or for doing a passion project um and i kind of needed i kind of craved a bit of space just to like get off commercials for a little bit um and and you know i I kind of took the time, actually, I took time off between Stink and, um, and Variable because I just said to the Stink guys, look, I don't want to jump straight into commercials. That, like, I've I've kind of been at the bit pitching and pitching and pitching. I have all these ideas um, for things that I want to do and I I took that six months. I did a, a a music video thing, uncommissioned for a band called Young Fathers. During that time, I did an uncommissioned music video for a band called Daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I did... Um, a, uh, we shot a short film uh, um, called Imposter um, uh, during that time, and I really kept myself busy with with personal work. And uh, again, all these things that I wanted to do, that I just there wasn't there wasn't time uh, to do it during 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 my time at Variable. So um, it was uh, it, What do you think you, know, you were
0: gaining was... out of that? Say again. What do you think you were gaining out of that um, time? Away from from like proper, I guess honestly, representation I, or whatever. I think I can
1: honestly say, I started understanding the things that I was really interested in. Um, and what uh, what was that? I think up until that point, I had worked on a lot of commercials um, that that felt um, very high end um, yeah. and that felt quite polished, and I. Both medicine and young fathers. They were very different. The one was exploring gang culture in Paris, and um, and uh, the main character dealing uh, with his guilt, um, or um, or looking guilty, and and um, wanting to do the wanting to do the right thing, but end up end up, end up looking like the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so I kind of wanted to explore something that was kind of really raw and abrasive and edgy. Yeah. So I did that, and then I did. Um, the medicine thing was like I want to just explore the story, you know, a love story between an old couple, kind of, um, you know, her losing her sight and um, and him taking care of her and her feeling like she's being a burden on him. Um, and I hadn't really explored stories like that, like that just felt so real and raw. And spe- speaking
0: of those two um, in particular, I mean, they're so they're so um, far apart from one another. Where it's like one's like right. an inner city gang. And then right. this is, you know, an, an elderly couple dealing with like the effects of old age. Like how, right. how, how's those stories coming from the same person being you?
1: Uh, honestly, I don't know. I, again, all I can say is um, I, I think and in, in recent times I've, I've never quite under, understood Martin Scorsese uh, or the films that he was making. But I think when I had a kid, um, uh again the things that we were talking about earlier. I think Martin Scorsese for me is really a great um study because he wanted to go into seminary. Like he wanted to go into to study theology. He wanted to become a priest. Mm. Um, and then and then I think he he did so bad uh and and basically his priest said look there's another way like you don't have to this is not what you have to become. And so he his interest again was filmmaking and um he was like okay that's what I'm gonna do and if you look at his early work, especially, there is a, um, there is definitely a tie-in. He, the thing that he says about Mean Streets, for instance, is that he wanted to explore. Um, uh, he grew up, obviously, in New York uh, through the 50s, 60s, and 70s. First 70s, he started making films, or maybe late 60s, but into the 70s. Um, and he said, I wanted to tell these stories about people that, ha- that were in the real world. Again, 1970s New York is as real as you can get. Yeah, uh, with drug and prostitution and crime on the rise um, and people that have to deal with how their faith and what they believe catches up with how they live how people live and so you see Harvey Cattell's character in Mean Streets really kind of struggle with that you know uh, and with the guilt of what he's doing um, uh, and I feel like that's kind of the wrestle that I kind of wanted to uh, to, put, to to play with and I think Again, if I can kind of quote another uh, filmmaker that I really look up to is a guy called Jacques Audiard in, um, in 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 France who does stories that hold the, the the kind of the broken humanity um, of of people um, and you know really emotional, mm-hmm. but at the same time like really raw, rough, and edgy. Like if you look at a film like um, *Rust and Bone*. You know, it's a story of a of a um, of a dolphin wrangler who loses her limbs, and she meets the street boxer who basically has brawls every night, and it's a love story between the two of them. So something that's so soft and gentle and so emotional is this woman losing her legs, being taken care of by this boxer who's a brawler. You know, like that marriage to me is, is something I'm like just quintessentially very very interested in. And so I think these the two those two films that I did were. Kind of exploring those two, separ- those ideas kind of separately. Yeah, um, totally. Uh, and the feature I'm like working on now, developing, I think again, it's like trying to bring those two together.
0: Hmm. Mm. Well, because then after you go through that six month period and you make those things, then you do join Stink. Um, what, where did things go at that point? Like, were you, I would imagine that because now the scope is bigger and the projects could be. Bigger and what started to happen then, especially with your, again, I guess it's another level up in terms of 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 technical firepower.
1: I think honestly, again, it's something that I've now carried into. uh, We did that with variable, you know, in that year and a half. We did Rocket Wars, which I was like, it's it's so important to do passion projects. And so I've, I mean, Rocket Wars, I, you know, um, very very um thankful to variable because they kind of funded that thing i think mm-hmm. i'm now in a position where i'm funding more things myself um because uh, i have that capacity <laughs> to do that a little bit more um but it was ammunition for 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 the reps you know going into a new season and having new work um you know it's like oh okay, he just did this he just did this and so it's become very valuable to me to keep doing passion work on the side mm-hmm. uh, even Again, it's like I don't want to do better, greater than I've done before because that to me is I don't know how possible that even is, you know, and it's a trap for me. Um, so I'm trying What's to do trap? things that aren't just, well, trying to up yourself with yeah. every new thing that you're making. It's yeah. just not possible. Like I want to learn different skill sets. And so for me, it's important to at least try something that I haven't done before, you know, because up until that point, I kind of did car work up until medicine and on like, the no, commercial side. Say again? On
0: the commercial side, you mean?
1: On the commercial side, yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, I wanna, I wanna go do something for Nike. I wanna go do something for Adidas. I wanna go do something for Puma. I wanna go do something for uh, PSA. Um, and I'm not gonna get that if car is the only thing that I have on my reel or this like space story. Um, I'm just not gonna get that. So. I, you know, there was also, there was a strategic side to these stories that I was like, I want to do, but I don't want to waste my time. I want to create something that I enjoy, that speaks to me, that's of me, um, but that also isn't just like, oh, okay, well, that that's not going to help us in any way, um,
0: that, to the reps. Um, yeah, like, if you're only doing passion projects to tick boxes, then it's like that yeah, you're missing the, the point?
1: point. Like, yeah, what's the point? Exactly. Um, but... Again, these were things that I was, like, deeply connected to. Um, You know, the story of the the old couple was, like, my grandma and grandpa. Like, I could see, in Terry, I could see my grandpa. In Becky, I could see my grandma. Their health was deteriorating as well. Um, And so it became very personal to me in that way. And I think um, now for me it's, like, well, I want to do this. You know, I did this, like, very, very simple thing with a guy walking up to a basketball hoop and just, Throwing the ball in the hoop—it's a one-take thing—and I was like, that kind of was a passion project. Uh, a friend of mine wanted me to do something for his um, f- uh, for his wellness blog, and I was like, on, oh, let's just do this simple thing. And I was like, oh, should I release it? You know? But I'm like, who cares, man? Honestly, I'm gonna put it out there. It's like I learned a new skill set. It's not—it's not the best thing in the world, but it was never intended to be the best thing. was—I was trying to do something that was simple. Yeah. Uh, and you know, was a one take, Um, you know, and it wasn't a technical one take, but at least put the viewer in that zone for, for, you know, for half a minute or whatever it was. Um, So I want to evolve. I just want to keep doing things that um, I feel like are um, helping me grow. And because all those little things, like even that little one take thing is useful now, you know, for what I want to do in the feature world. And I, I don't want to do everything that's just super cutty. I want to design uh, yeah. shots and 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 create um, create tension in the way that the camera moves. And you know, um, I think if I if I don't do passion work, I'm going to get hired to do the same thing, which is always the, kind of a cutty thing. It's just not my interest. And so I've seen I've seen more um, I've seen more of the stuff that I want to do come from the stuff that I've done in in in, in uh, passion work.
0: Totally. I mean, it seems like it's the most important stuff for you continually. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And one thing that
0: I want to talk about more, I guess, like in terms of being a director that has now worked with so many um, very talented DPs is that something that I find really interesting, and I was having this discussion with um, Ryan Booth as well, is that regardless of whichever fantastic cinematographer you're working with, your work always feels visually like a, like a Solomon Lakham film right. or piece right. and I'm curious how you um, go about that how proactive you are in that result or is it just that it's something that happens on a natural in a natural way because it is quite interesting that regardless of who you have and they're all great um, that it it ends up does there's a cohesiveness in, in your aesthetic regardless of the collaborators that you're doing it with and that's just really
1: fascinating right. I, I, honestly, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's intentional, um, in the sense that like I, I used to work with Khalid a lot. I love working with Khalid, um, uh, but recently I've done more kind of fashiony things and shot a lot more stuff on film. And so I've been looking to collaborators that have kind of great interest in shooting on film, because often, you know, as a as a director. Um, when you're trying to win the battles with agency, for in, just as if, for instance, agency or clients on, on selling them on film, um, if a DP doesn't have a lot of film on their reel or if a DP isn't willing to kind of push really hard for it, like- it's not gonna happen. You're not gonna get it. So I'm trying to kind of bring people in, in the camp that um, would help me, you know, because sure. lose, I lose the battle with the producer and then I kind of have to rely on, the, on, on, on a DP pushing again, you know, um, and then sometimes these things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh and so I've kind of you know i've, I've worked with Stuart now a lot recently um should be a um daniel bouquet um and and I think there's also like there's also like an interest with those guys that are like slightly less interested in the perfection of the frame um and more interested about what's going on in the frame mm. uh, and so that's been kind of an interesting evolution uh you know and, and something that I kind of wanted to explore as well. Um, but I don't think it's intentional I think what I could say for, for the you know, the last couple of pieces of work that I had done it's I've always tried to push on to shoot on film I've kind of invested in film cameras myself um, and that becomes then an inherent part of the aesthetic it just gets built in right um, but I also you know I it, ah, there's a, there was a season where everyone was doing super low contrast work and it was never my thing. I always liked things to feel filmic, to be rich, to mm-hmm. be not, not necessarily colorful, um, but have a deepness, you know? Um, and, um, you know, so that, that is a part of the aesthetic. And I think I can collaborate with any DP, you know, because uh, usually usually, the thing I do like is working with DPs that are quite malleable, you know, um, that can do this thing for that guy, but then can also do something different for mm-hmm. my mix, you know? Yeah, uh, and and I enjoy that that kind of creative um, collaboration and, and back and forth. It just it's very fluid.
0: Um, yeah, you you kind of just hinted at it. I was going to ask: Do you feel that there are certain characteristics that you do look for that define what a good um, collaboration with a DP brings? Like that, the ones that you really enjoy. What characteristics are similar?
1: Yeah, recently it's the ability to think on your feet Mm. Uh, like the ability to um, you know to prep a moment to prep a scene um, and and have a plan but then also allow actors actors can be divas and talent can be divas and Mm -hmm. they don't want to hit the marks that you've uh, laid out yeah and and so they come up with their own idea of how to come into a scene and exit a scene you Mm -hmm. know Um, and so I don't want the, you know, and actors often know really well. <laughs> um, and they know how really, they know, they know how to make things feel alive. And that's always what I'm after. It's like how to make things feel as alive as possible um, and not to not control and to contrive. And so um, I'm always looking for DPs that would, that would be open to that as, 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 as one thing, but that would also look for the opportunities of how to make it more alive, Um, you know, and so um, I think that's kind of the, the, in in recent times, those are the things that I've like really looked for.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, because I mean, and it makes sense, because it's also at a certain point, it's not like anybody that you're gonna work with isn't, can't achieve on the technical side like that's yeah. that's a prerequisite, you know. Some yeah. like everybody's yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody's portfolio looks good. That's not yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not the, yeah. de- the the determining factor anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. exactly. Yeah. What, you know, I, I think I used to be really interested in uh, the frame, mm-hmm. and I think what I'm really interested the, the frame and lighting, and the thing that I'm really interested in these days is how's the camera moving to tell the story. Like mm-hmm. How is the camera a character in the story to evolve um, to evolve the telling of the story mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that we're not manipulating that too much editorially, but we're really in the shooting process, we're so immersed in the scene that it's helping us tell the story. I mean, an example, and I can't say, look, you might look at my work and go, yeah, well, Solomon, where can you an example of that? Because um, I don't have <laughs> much of that, but... Um, but when I did uh, when I did the Prince music video, the opening shot of that is like a minute and a half long, and it's just an evolving shot. And, yeah, and, it's great. And I'm trying to more think about designing things in that way. Um, it's funny that you, yeah, you had, narrative work.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you bring that up. Uh, last night I was at um, kind of a short block of films, not at a film festival, but just a short, a short screening, and there was a, a fairly, wide range in terms of the quality of them. And it was fascinating to me that some that might not have been as good, they were still lit correctly, but the feeling that was off, what, what made you kind of feel like it wasn't as professional as some of the other ones, was immediately with camera movement right. and, and, like, blocking and, right. and the way that the scene was unfolding visually yeah. in terms of, of physical, um, like, location and space of the subjects within it. Uh, like, yeah. that, that was where the higher level... Filmmaking was occurring in terms of that comparative stuff between, you know, the five or six films and that the ones that were the ones that worked best. I felt like I I was in terms of viewing the story. I felt the most in the hands of um, someone who knew what they were doing when when the camera was not tipping the hand that it was done by people. I don't know if that even makes sense. Like it was it, it was so correct. The movement was so correct and the blocking was so spot on that all of a sudden the the trappings of the fact that this was made by a group of by a team of filmmakers was uh disappears yeah but it's interesting that it's like it it becomes invisible when it becomes the most considered and that's just a fascinating like
1: exactly yeah exactly when you've designed it a little bit you know but again like again you have to be so alive to allow that type of stuff to happen right like I went in there, and I had, um, I had another idea of how to do that. And then with the steady cam operator, and the DP, they're like, "Oh, what if you, what if you have the guy come in? Um, you pan down, um, you know, you pan down to the guy, and then you are led to pan off him by this like angel, angelic character or being that comes in, and it steals your attention away from the guy. He can get up, move to his position, and then you can follow the guy as you come." And I was like, "I don't know this." Yeah, let's try it. <laughs> and so it's just like, that was kind of of the moment. It was designed in a different way, but of the moment that like, that worked. You know?
0: yeah, you, so you're saying that you allowed for your, your own plan to deviate in the moment just because you were oh, feeling yeah, something. Like,
1: yeah, I think you have to, I think you have to.
0: Yeah, I wanted to talk about um, the Prince f- music video. Um, specifically, I had some questions written down just because I thought it was so, so beautiful. Um, right. And so, um, you know, I think you, you do this a lot and I, I could see it getting better over time is like the enveloping so much symbolism into these specific either characters or one off shots and that it's right. it's gotten over time, in my opinion, more supportive of the main Point versus right, just being right. kind of like frosting that right. is like, but and that's evolution of craft, right? So you're like, yeah, like that's good. Yeah. Kind of, and I thought that like, where did the idea originate for for this piece, in terms of the idea, like even the fact that like the I don't I don't mean this derogatorily, but like the the pimp angels, right? Or I don't know right. if if you would if they are supposed to be pimps, but they're kind of in a pimp right. outfit, Um right. And that whole right. idea, uh, where did that come from?
1: I am. Um, I, I've been inspired by um, it's hard to think of the genesis of that idea. It was actually another idea. It was a, it was a story about an old man um, that had passed on. Um, but the princess State, when I shared the idea with them, I kind of put it on a side note that um, they wanted to tell a topical story. And the original idea wasn't topical at all. Oh, in and terms of gun violence? A, a husband, uh, an old man that had passed due to old age. And mm. um, he was trying to comfort his widowed um wife um and i put it aside now i said look if you guys wanted to do a topical story um i, I would need i would need some ha- some guidance because it's 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 something that i'm not um it's a, a culture that i'm not a part of and But good for you for putting kind of it that gracious. way. say again
0: Good for you for putting it that way. You yeah. know.
1: Yeah, it's i mean yeah, i think i think you you have to be aware of your blind spot um mm. and so I just said to them, look, um, uh, if you guys are willing to kind of guide us through this, um, uh, and, and they did. And they liked that angle that I had of, the, of a son kind of passing um, through gun violence um, and then coming back to comfort his mom. And I wanted the, the, the two being characters, um, weren't necessarily big characters, but I didn't want anything that felt too, that felt too angelic. Um, I wanted something that, yeah,
0: I don't think that they're actually pimps in it, but the, I mean, the the, the dress is very of a, of a style. So
1: I think they're, so the way that I thought about it is to make them more Mm androgynous, um, to make them more, um, they're a being as opposed to a human being having some sort of sex and having some sort of their, 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 they represent to me, um, the afterlife, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to get. And I think if I grounded them too much, yeah, um,
0: and they then, also hearken to then, Prince, I say mean, they also exactly. speak exactly. to Prince's exactly. whole
1: vibe, exactly, exactly. Um, and so, um, yeah, I wanted to tell the story about um, really the, almost like the story of a ghost story or the story of Ghost, mm-hmm. um, where it was this character that um, you know, I think in a ghost story, um, you there's there's no inter there's no interaction between the person in the afterlife and the real world, right. even though he can make events happen right. in the real world. Whereas I think in Ghost there was interaction, and I wanted to evolve the story. I always I always wanted to make the story about she's unaware of his presence, um, and and um, but he his presence is able to affect the landscape or the environment around her. Um, so in the end scene. When he comes so close to her and he's holding her, it starts to kind of snow inside, and there's kind of a an awareness of his presence. Um, Yeah, that's um, definitely the special moment. But then you, then in one shot we didn't, you know, I think we started where you see them together, and then we kind of pan up and then pan down again, and he's out of shot. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, to kind of just show what what actually is there. And so what actually is there is. Um, the environment's been changed, but he actually isn't there. Um, yeah. And his, his bird is there. And that, I mean, honestly, it was just kind of, it evolved to that. I actually had it on the page pretty quickly. I had it for another idea. Um, the, um, I had it for another track initially and they didn't go my way. Um, and then when this track came uh, by called Mary, don't you weep? I was like, Oh, this is kind of perfect. You know, it's a, it's a, it's an old spiritual mm-hmm. um, that Prince recorded, um, uh, you know, just on his cassette tape. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just loved the rawness of it. And I thought, okay, this, you know, this, this could work and send it to them. And they were, like, we, 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 we like
0: this. Are you the type that um, you're just, an idea might come that's disconnected from anything larger, but you just like, like you write that down and that just gets into like a folder of things to pull from later on?
1: Yeah. yeah, 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 all the
0: time. All yeah. the time, all like the how time, yeah. you're just—you might be the type that you're like walking down the street and you're like, "Wait a minute," and then you just write something.
1: Yeah, and 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 sometimes it takes years <laughs> for it to like <laughs> percolate into into even the smallest thing, right? Like it sometimes takes years for it to become even just the one take video. Like mm. um, I'm working on something that I've worked on for like literally three years now, and I just haven't been able to finish it, and it's this. It's this, um, it's this, again, kind of a tone poem about this guy in France whose wife got killed during the Bataclan massacre. Um, and he writes this open letter to ISIS um, on Facebook three days after she was killed. Is this real? Um, yeah, 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 real, real, real. Okay. Um, and it's called You Will Not Have My Hatred. And it's just this guy, very kind of open heart, uh, write, writing about um, that you've taken away my, my wife, the, the mother of my three-year-old child. Um, but the, this thing that you want, which is my hate, is the thing I can't give you. And then it kind of, you know, tracks, it writes very, very beautifully and eloquently, but very raw. Um, tracks kind of towards the end of this poem, this letter, and, it's it, and he says, uh, I, you know, I'm sorry, I can't give you any more of my time. I have to go spend some time with my son, Melvin, who is crying. And I need to go to sleep. But one thing I will tell you is that you will not have his hatred either. So it's just this beautiful arc in this letter, and uh, mm. I I read it like the day that it came out. And I was just like, just really moved by it. And I was like, I, 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 somehow that message is important. I I it's it's not it's not important for me to tell, that it's an important message. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You know that, that that idea of like fighting hate with hate or violence with violence is really like it's a it gets us in a bad cycle, and I just like, I have to make something. And so, two years ago, maybe yeah, two years ago, I started. I started. I sh- shot something for it. Started editing, and I've always just I've wanted to go back to Paris to go and finish it, and I just haven't had time. But mm. I know, I know I have to. I know I, I, it's something that I have to finish. Um, but again, it's not this big. It's not a feature. It's not. No. But I have to. But it's nice, I think,
0: too, that you allow yourself to do a certain part of a project. Even if you know that in the moment you can't finish it, I think some people don't let themselves do something if they can't like fully get it completely yeah. done and and honestly maybe that's to their detriment because right. they might stop they might stop the project and then and in other ways they might stop their own growth because even the stuff that you've shot of that piece even though you haven't finished it yet you've learned from what you've worked on on it
1: exactly it's not it's again like this one thing I've been telling to my friends about um it's not about product, it's not about, it's about process, it's about, like, we're, we're, like, we're in this if we get to create, right? Like, and that's the thing with fashion projects, like, we get to create. I mean, it's hard because it cost money and, you know, it's time and putting people together, but that's the fun part. Obviously, like, like, the endorphins of releasing something and people liking it, amazing. Um, but, but to me, it's like, ugh, I, I, I do enjoy the process of making. I don't enjoy the political process. I don't enjoy the agency process. I don't, don't enjoy having calls that people don't get your idea like that. I don't enjoy, it. but I do enjoy the process of being on set, mm. pre production, post production. Um, the politics I don't enjoy, but <laughs> <laughs> making I do enjoy.
0: Yeah, I guess. uh one last thing I wanted to ask you about is that I know that um, for everyone, the goal, like the um, the goalposts we'll forever keep shifting until we are done and yeah. so as much success as you've had i'm sure that your goalposts have shifted and given your your current where where you're at now like where where do you find um the tension exists now for the things that you are trying to push past and and what is what are those things as they exist now for you
1: um um uh uh i think I, I will say i think there is a um there is a culture of um of people having their big breaks right like of, everyone's just like i hear it so often like man if i just get this job like that's gonna open massive doors for me i just need that one thing and it's gonna open this massive door for me i think i would say yeah, yeah. i think from the beginning i kind of dispelled the notion of that for me it's a very kind of dangerous way to think because mm. uh, then you put so much emphasis on something that's ultimately very subjective, people can love or hate it. Um, and it really doesn't matter, um, that, I mean, it really only actually ever matters what you think. <laughs> um, because it's really disappointing when you think you're putting something out into the world, and you think it's going kind to of change things for you, and it doesn't. And I think I've always had a pretty objective view of that, being super detrimental. Um, I think quite honestly i'm still I'm learning basics man I'm like learning the basics of storytelling um and and so for me that's the next step who knows i mean, I don't know if I can who knows yet if I can do it i I think I can I think I have and an, I think I have an inkling I have stories that I want to tell I know I can do it i I know I, magic can happen um on say for instance the the medicine thing where I was like, oh this is I didn't think it would I, but it did, thank God. Yeah. You know, knock on wood. Um, and in a in a feature realm, I have a story that I really want to tell, and knock on wood, it comes to life in a way that, like, I haven't. It's been a long time since I. I don't know if I've really kind of read something that I've um, as as a as a story and what it's saying and what it's communicating. Um, I've read a couple of scripts and I've never felt right making something because mm. I felt like I just wasn't right for it. It was either too big um, or I've seen some scripts that wasn't too good, but the scripts I've gotten recently that have been better, um, but it wasn't at the at the production um, size that I feel like I was was right for me. They were 20 million or 30 million or they were just super expensive. And I'm like, I, I think I have a script. It's not perfect. It's definitely not perfect um, yet, but what it's saying, what it's communicating, the world that it's exploring, the emotional quality, the, the characters, I, I'm connected to it. And partly maybe because I because I co-ordered with another friend, or I uh, kind of gave it life with another friend. I think um, that's the story, but at least now that I feel like I need to tell, but the world's ultimately gonna judge whether it's good or not. Um, but at least in this next step, like that's the thing I have in front of me. That's the thing I wanna focus on. I wanna make that film. Um, and obviously, you know, you hope the world takes to it. Um, but you can't control those things. Yeah um, man. Well I don't know if I, that answers your question but...
0: Oh no, it answers it beautifully. And um, that's a perfect way to end and I'm glad uh, I I hope it gets me because I want to see it, you know? <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> but um yeah, no, it. but um thanks so much for the hour. Um, you know, we've we've I, I've 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 known you for years. Uh I haven't been able to have like a, a conversation to really hear the story and so it's been it's been great talking and, and, and learning learning
1: it. I appreciate it. I appreciate you kind of going and asking questions that haven't been asked really, to be honest. So. <laughs> well,
0: right on. That's the point. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you.
1: Cool, dude. Thanks, Jared.